What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey there! Did you know Kroger always gives you savings and rewards on top of our lower-than-low prices? And when you download the Kroger app, you'll enjoy over $500 in savings every week with digital coupons. And don't forget fuel points to help you save up to $1 per gallon at the pump. Want to save even more? With a Boost membership, you'll get double fuel points and free delivery. So shop and save big at Kroger today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Restrictions apply. See site for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. starting 502 podcast it's been a second but it's in the off season so uh presley meyer jacob lane as always and we are joined by one jeff greer tonight jeff how are you sir i'm wonderful fellas how are you oh, we're, we're doing really well we're, we're hoping to get some recruiting news sooner rather than later and i think we're all we're all kind of in, in the dark in, in that area but we know you are working you know with with racing in, in louisville city a podcast, a blog, a new newborn child. When you're not you busy. Find, yeah, you're not you busy. You find at all. time to do literally anything. Like I'm guessing you're not working on your golf swing right now. Oh, it leads a lot of work. Like a lot of work. I, I've, I had a chance to play one one round so far, and it's. I mean, just ask anyone who has ever played with me. It is the worst swing you have ever seen. Only person whose swing I've seen is worse is Charles Barkley. But no, yeah, it's been uh, it's been crazy. We had, to, ironically, our son Theodore. We call him Theo. He was born uh, the day of the Louisville Virginia game that uh, Chris Mack coached, knowing that uh, his agent was back in Louisville negotiating his buyout, and at, at that point may have already negotiated it. Uh, so that was kind of fun to. Uh, turn my phone off of the uh, focus setting or whatever it is and do not disturb and get like, you know, I had a bunch of text messages like, Hey, this might be happening. It's been crazy. Cause it, like you said, I started with the soccer clubs. I'm still doing the newsletter every week, which is a late Wednesday night project. Usually the podcast has been really good. We've been getting some good guests and they're, I don't know what it is about talking to me, but like people just let like a couple things slip here and there. And you're like, Oh, that was that was it. Maybe it's my stupid face. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but like L Ellis just this week was like, you know, taking shots at the, uh, at the former staff and, and talking about guys he wants to come in and all that. I mean, it was, 
it was interesting. So yeah, you know, staying plenty busy and uh, got to keep the lights on. Yeah. So you're telling me this is the official podcast for the tea spilling of Louisville basketball, the Jeff Greer show. <laughs> <laughs> so here. But speaking of which, that's a great kind of segue into our first question. And this first question is one that I was just kind of brainstorming on today. You've interviewed bunch of players now from you know last year's team last couple of years you've talked to them and gotten a little bit more perspective than I think the average fan has as to what happened last year so now that you're removed from the season by several months and you've talked to all these guys what's like the most interesting thing you've learned about what happened last year well from the podcast like from the actual conversations that they've had publicly where we where we're recording I would just say that I, I think one thing is clear that you know for a guy like L Ellis for instance just taking this week because it's fresh on my mind like for him to feel like he did not he he came in with a certain expectation and every recruit does you guys know that like you come in and you you it's what you've been told in the recruiting process it's kind of what you maybe build up in your mind as well but I thought it was really interesting that he flat out said like I really thought they were gonna let me have the ball in my hands and and kind of do my thing and honestly I think Louisville's staff thought that that was going to be the case too. At least the, when, when you do talk to them in the buildup to the season, I think Jared West was added um, really as a guy who was supposed to play like 10, 15 minutes, be a bulldog, be a real team leader. And they just never got, got enough consistency from anyone else really uh, in that early portion of the season. And it just kind of felt like Mac had a hard time not playing him a lot of minutes because he felt like that was his guy he could trust. That was his JP McCurra. That was his, you know, insert insert player who we had heard about at Xavier, uh, who he trusted, Kristen Cunningham, that type of guy. And so I thought that was really interesting from L that he was, I mean, you saw it with his tweet after the season. I'm a point guard, not a shooting guard. Um, but he was frustrated. But then look, I mean, talking to people, not just on the podcast, but just phone calls and, and conversations that I've had. I, I think that the season, I, I think that Chris Mack was worn down by the job. Uh, I think that he, I, I'm not sure that he ever fully grasped like what Louisville was. Um, I think he, he certainly understood a certain way to, to communicate to the community um, via social media, you know, the, the everyday guy type stuff. And, and, and that resonates with people justifiably. So obviously you guys may have heard his wife is from here. It's an interesting little fact there. Well, I haven't seen it for the inside yeah, information. I haven't <laughs> seen that anywhere. So that's a little <laughs> scooplet. But, uh, but I, I just, I don't think that he fully grasped it. It's like a 24 seven, like 351 job a year. Like you got probably two weeks that you can be like Patino and go to Miami and disappear. But even on his boat, he was available for text message, you know? And I think it just kind of boiled over in the off season. Mac just was not interested in being here. He almost became moody at times. Um, I've heard a lot of stories about days where he just like wouldn't talk to anyone. Uh, assistants weren't getting communication from him. I mean, behind the scenes, it sounds like things were really, really bad. Uh, and then he just abruptly changed the offense uh, after they, they got off to a rocky start, didn't tell anyone he was going to do it. Uh, so just all these little things and, and just clearly did not have great relationships uh, with some of his guys, uh, both on his staff and players. So uh, I guess that's kind of part of the picture. And I know that we'll probably never truly get the full, the full version of it. Just a quick yeah. follow-up to that president. I don't mean to cut you off, but you think he'll coach again? You think you think Chris will coach somewhere else at another big school or even at a That's small a like, mid-major? I, I, I think I know that Xavier, uh, when the Xavier job came open, I know that it was it was not 
it was not an immediate, like, no, I'm, I don't want to coach again. Like the funny thing is, is like, I think my buddies at the field of 68, like the national shows, I think they reached out to him. Cause I know Goodman and Doster are close to Mac and asked him if he wanted to be one of our analysts. And I believe the response was uh, the uncensored version of F no, which is very Chris. Um, and I like, I like Chris. I mean, I, you know, we, we had an interesting relationship, but always was ultimately a nice guy to me. So I have no issues with him. Um, but I, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I don't know. He's made his money. Um, he's made a lot of money over the years. His daughters are almost close to graduating high school. Now uh, his son is like six years old. So it's a great opportunity to be a stay at home dad and just be happy with your millions of dollars. He's not a big like spender guy. So I wouldn't be surprised if we just heard about him spending a lot of time going to like Bengals games and, and spending a lot of time in Florida. All right. I want to take a second to remind you about our sponsor and partner here on the starting 502 podcast and state of Louisville podcast network. That's what's next with Eric Wood, the podcast that you can find anywhere you get your podcast from with former Louisville football player and Buffalo Bills center, Eric Wood. He sits down each week with a new guest uh, from a different industry, sports, business, uh, all kinds of different people to talk about life, uh, creating good habits, doing good things in life and taking that next step, whatever that is. Uh, this week, he had Ben Rhodes on, uh, a Louisville native and now a NASCAR uh, Truck Series champion. Uh, they talk about Ben's career, getting started so young in the sport and being so dominant so early and just all of those good things. So be sure to tune into that. That's what's next with Eric Wood, the podcast. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from. We'll be right back with Jeff Greer. Stick around on the other side. We've got all kinds of things to get into with Louisville basketball. I think I need some counseling. All right, and welcome back. Starting 502 podcast, Russell Meyer, Jacob Lane. Jeff Greer. Yeah, it is interesting, the juxtaposition, and I mean, I've always kind of thought this and brought this up on this podcast too, the juxtaposition between having uh, Rick Pitino, who kind of sneaks out the back door after his post, you know, his post-game press conference where he's had everyone captivated by his words and goes to the to the side, what is a sidebar that, that he was always sneaking off to and drinking <laughs> a martini or whatever, and you got Chris Mack at Roosters drinking some Natty Lights or something, like there's just this... You know, it felt like he was just the right fit culturally because that's very Louisville. Like he yeah. was a man of the people, right? And yeah. to me, I think there is something happening more behind the scenes. And and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you know, you actually got to spend a little bit more time with with Coach Mack, but I feel like things were not going in the direction that he liked culturally in Louisville. I think there were a lot of things that he kind of had to bend the knee to and 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 essentially except that his players were, were going to voice their opinions over and he just kind of had to roll with that. But also I think, you know, the, the passing of his father kind of like really that would shake me to my core. And if you're in a position and you're in a job that you do not like, uh, like, like, you know, it, it seemed like coach Mack was in his last season uh, to me, do you think that that his relationship with his dad or anything like that ultimately is kind of what pushed that uh, over the edge for him? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting side story to all of it. I know, like, just from a psychological standpoint, like David Padgett's brother-in-law was having a fierce battle with cancer the year that he was the interim coach and they started struggling in February. And I know, I know DP pretty well now. And, and I, I remember that really bothering him and it was a lot and there's a lot of travel up to Pittsburgh where he was uh, being treated. Um, I don't know if this is, uh, if I've ever said this 
publicly before or if, if this is violating any uh, sort of uh, thing here, but my brother was treating DP's brother-in-law in, in Pittsburgh. My brother is a surgical oncologist. So, um, you know, obviously he and I didn't talk about it, but David and I talked about it. And so mm-hmm. when you talk about the that kind of wear on someone, especially when you talk about your dad and, and just worried about your family in general, um, I think that's hard. But look, I think the biggest thing with Chris was, again, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen in Louisville, man. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. And there's a lot of former players uh, who have a, a belief that their, that their opinions matter a lot uh, and, and need to be heard. And, and that's fine. I'm not saying that's a, a bad thing, but they are vocal. Um, and if you don't know how to communicate with them effectively, that that leads to a lot of uh, issues, which obviously it did. Uh, and I do think the pandemic really hurt Mac's time here. I, I think without the pandemic, you know, I, I think they obviously would have had a chance to go play in the tournament and, and see what that team would do. And we'd be having a very different conversation. But uh, the what if game, I, I think, kind of plagued him a little bit as well. All right, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the head coach of the uh, Louisville basketball program now. Obviously, Kenny Payne upwards of about 60 days now in office as the guy <laughs> doing his his little version of a car wash, which is just him, you know, meeting in his office <laughs> just over some coffee and donuts, I'd imagine. Just real old school guys taking notes in there, no phones, no, no any kind of technology, I would imagine. But what do you kind of make of his first 60 days? They've only, you know, they, they've hired a staff now that you've got a full um, bench of assistants, at least on-court assistants. And then you've got the commitment of Devin Ree and then the, the signing of Kamari Lands. And then, of course, uh, Brandon Hatley Huntfield commits. What do you make so far of how Kenny has done as the, the head coach, even though I, the, the public perception is just there's a lot of mystery around it all? That's that is what my first uh, my first reaction would be is that they have done a really good job of of kind of moving in silence uh like Lil Wayne would say like it's it's been it's been very impressive i mean it, the the people who normally have uh some knowledge of what's going on uh, with recruiting seem to be kind of flummoxed by it um there's still a couple of people out there and and i know you know i'm probably stirring the pot here by saying this but like Travis Graff at, at Rivals seems to have had some good information on the recruiting side and and seems to be in with people and I know some of the, like Jeff Borzello and those guys are also really plugged in on the recruiting side, the transfer side. But from the Louisville side, I mean, it has been so quiet um, to the point where people who used to tell me stuff all the time would say, I've been sworn to secrecy. I am not going to spill the beans, which is impressive. I don't know what that conversation looks like. I don't know how they communicate those things, but that has been really uh, imperative to all of this um, to, to get it off the ground is to be quiet. But uh, I, I mean, think about this outside of Nolan Smith, the other two assistants, we knew Nolan Smith was going to be on stat. The other two assistants we didn't know about until like the day of, which is super impressive, super, super impressive uh, in this day and age. So um, I think that that has all been really intriguing. And, you know, I guess we'll give it a full grade once we know if they're able to add one or two more bodies uh, before summer workouts start. Yeah. How about that in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, where everybody seems to know everything before it actually happens. We had an assistant coach have a press conference and literally nobody knew who was going to be until he walked into the room. Mm-hmm. That's like 1970s and before type of stuff. <laughs> it's like like before like people were like dialing like rotary phones to tell each other what was going on back then yeah. like 
uh, it, it's, it's pretty impressive. Uh, but kind of going forward, you know, Louisville still has four spots on the roster uh, that, that they have to fill out. And like you said, things are pretty secretive, and we really, truly don't have much of an idea. We kind of thought that Imani Bates was going to be kind of a done deal maybe two weeks ago, and now it seems like he's uh, maybe holding off. I don't know. I've seen nothing confirmed, but people posting, you know, it might be June before he decides what he's going to do. Obviously, Louisville needs guards, and that's that's my first reaction. I don't know about you, Jeff, but at, at least two to three more guards. Is there something that we're not seeing about – this roster that maybe there's a couple guys on, on this roster that can play at the two guard, maybe. And L Ellis is definitely a true point guard. Is there something to be said about that? Or uh, do we just kind of need to wait until the dominoes fall and, and see where Louisville stands after that? Uh, I think the answer to that ultimately is just yes. Like, like <laughs> I think uh, from the, L. Ellis, the communications that he has had with the staff there, he's going to be the point guard. They're going to put the ball in his hands. He's the point guard. If they were to sign a guy like Tyrese Hunter, um, you know, that's the, they'll figure it out. It feels like they'll, they'll be able to alternate thinking in terms of like Chris Jones, Terry Rozier. I know Russ, Russ was really a two guard, but could at times be point guard with Peyton Siva, like that kind of mentality of having two lead guards. And that can work. I mean, that can work. And, and L is such a good scorer. Um, that, uh, you know, and, and I think he's a better passer than people realize and creator for other people than people realize. Um, but uh, you know, like Danny Manning was on my podcast two weeks ago and he was like, you know, there's, there's a possibility that there will be times where we're, we've got a six, eight, two guard on the floor. And that's in presumably in reference to Devin Ree. And, and if they get Imani Bates, maybe that's another guy who you could play in that type of role. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with uh, Bates and, and maybe a Malachi Smith type guy who I think fits better. I know I'm, this is controversial to say that I think he fits better than Tyrese Hunter, but if you already have L Ellis and you're saying you're going to, you're going to have the ball in your hands, you're going to rock. This is your, this is your team. You, you're the extension of the coach on the floor for me personally. And I've seen Malachi Smith play in person. You get a 6'4", 205, 210-pound dude who can play point guard but was originally a two-guard, who's a distributor, who's a 40% three-point shooter, uh, can score at all three levels, and is an elite rebounder for a guard. That fits better for me uh, next to an L. Ellis, whereas uh, Tyrese Hunter, obviously an elite defender, uh, can get out and be kind of that spearhead uh, of, of the defense, whatever they whatever it is they end up wanting to do. Um, that's a disruptive guy to have on your team. And then L Ellis and, and he can operate off each other, but I just think Malachi Smith brings more to the table. Um, so anyway, so to, to get back to the original question, uh, Mike James, I think, uh, before he got hurt to me would have been a key player for Louisville last year. I, I was so impressed by him. Uh, I think I saw him one and a half practices, uh, before he hurt himself, but was, an eye-catching player in practice uh, and was going absolutely toe-to-toe with Dre Davis. It was the two of them uh, very much nose-to-nose, like really scratching and clawing and fighting for everything. Uh, So provided he's confident in his foot uh, and his Achilles and he's good to go, he's back dunking and all those things, the mentality is there for him to be kind of your junkyard dog two guard, but he's a better shooter than people realize. And then Devin Ree, you know, I don't know what his athleticism level would be to guard someone on the perimeter, but 
uh, you can play him there for and steal a few minutes. So uh, it all comes down to me of maybe they get one more guy off the off the portal who can be uh, a true guard and then see where Imani Bates fits into the rest of it. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you talk about L. Ellis as the point guard, and I feel like most fans, including myself, have kind of been guilty of quickly labeling him as a two based off of what he did last year, really playing off Jared West. But uh, if that's the case and L is the the primary guy in terms of the, the, you know, point guard initiator, he's still more of a scorer than a playmaker. Then you're looking for a true scorer to go next to him and maybe a couple of other more specialty guys who are shooters. So uh, I know you're a college basketball savant. So some of these names will not be <laughs> new to you, but to our audience, they may not have heard them. Uh, so guys like Grant Sherfield, uh, Courtney Ramey, who maybe Louisville fans will know from his days way back. I've, I've been Love saying Courtney Ramey. <laughs> it would be just the most Louisville thing ever for life to come full circle and him mm-hmm. to actually end up playing for Louisville. But then you got guys like Teddy Allen, who were instrumental in a big tournament win for Chris Jans in New Mexico State that is a proven scorer. And you got a bunch of guys that are more like question slash projects that maybe Kenny would be willing to take on, like a Brian Antone, who was a five-star guy mm-hmm. at Villanova. Justin Powell is a local kid, has been kind of bouncing around. So what do you kind of make of what else they do? I mean, do you bring in some developmental guys like a Jackson Robinson that you can kind of groom who is, you know, has had talent? Or are you looking for more role players and guys that you can say, let's go win some games and actually make the NCAA tournament and try to see where we come out? It's it's fascinating to watch them build this roster because part of me thinks that they just want to get as many talented kids in as they can and figure the rest out in, in like June and July. Um, so, you know, if you can get, look, we'll, we'll set the table with this. If you can get Malachi Smith, all right, you've got probably your starting two guard, you would think. It'd be yeah. him and him and L. Ellis in the backcourt, interchangeable at guard, basically lead guard type guys. Then you can worry about Mike James, Devin Ree, Kamari Lands. If you get Imani Bates, those guys can all either steal some minutes at the two uh, and you have a big lineup or they can all play the three. Uh, Lands is like a three, four type kid. Um, you know, Bates is a little too skinny probably to, to be a, a stretch four at the college level, I would think, but lands can do it. You've got Jalen Withers, who's that four or five type guy. So you start to get into, okay, this roster is long, it's athletic, and you've got a bunch of guys who can help you in a few different spots. Um, it, it's intriguing to me. And I haven't even mentioned BHH yet. A BHH yet who, you know, we know uh, one of the biggest criticisms of him at UT was the dude is built like uh, he was cut out of marble and is a big body and he just wants to face up and play guard stuff and play skill stuff. Um, but maybe they can harness how to use that effectively as, as a, like a stretch four. part of me thinks they just add two more. Like part of me just thinks that they just go out and they get their, their last two guys who one is a starter, one is a potential starter. And, and, you know, you can get Mike James in the mix as, as a, a bench guy, Devin Ree in the mix as a bench guy, you know, Roosevelt Wheeler gets another year, year of development at center. Um, and you just kind of mix and match with all those guys. And, 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 you know, if Imani Bates turns out to be awesome, great. If he turns out to be your 10th or 11th man, whatever, um, you know, good luck to him at the end of the year probably would leave. So, that's kind of my hunch, but that's a hunch. Cause I, if anybody knows uh, there, I'd love <laughs> Come to on this, this yeah. the, till, the tea spilling podcast to let Jeff know. Yeah. I'd love to know. It's wild to just see, you know, you see a program like Missouri, Dennis Gates gets out there. They have a pretty open roster like Louisville does LSU. Matt McMahon has, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12 spots. 
And these programs are filling these spots so quickly. And you hear things like Kenny keeps saying, we have a plan that we're putting in place. We have a plan that putting in place. It's really interesting to me to see Louisville fans all of a sudden be so patient because with any other coach, <laughs> Louisville fans would be, what's the plan? The plan is just to sit and watch everybody go to every other school. Uh, you know, so the, the portal every day, I'm, we have a group chat and I'll send, you know, the commitments of Xavier Penson and, and Umoja Gibson and all these guys that are just slowly starting to come off the board. I'm like, Eventually, Kenny's got to get somebody, right? I mean, they can't just play with all big guys. Uh, what about reclassifying 2023 guys? you think that they'll, they'll keep a spot or two just to see if they can't get somebody in late or maybe somebody's uh, eligible to um, do maybe what uh, Shaden Sharp did and you know, come in late at the end of the year and kind of redshirt or maybe join the team for the second half of the season? Certainly is a possibility. I, I never, like at this point, and I know it's sort of a, a boilerplate 10,000-foot um, view, but at this point, I'm just like, let's see the roster when they start preseason practice um, because, you know, it, it just seems like every year it gets later and later and somebody will come in. I mean, when, when did Sidney Curry arrive? Wasn't it like August yeah. that he, that he yeah. arrived. So yeah. uh, it turned out that now people are expecting him to be one of their top, like three or four guys on the team. So that's a possibility. And I think it's what, what I think is really interesting about the recruiting connections um, that you get into with Kenny Payne. Uh, obviously, Josh Jamison knows uh, something about Nike uh, from, from his time with Oregon and then Nolan Smith's connections as well. Uh, and you can't discount Danny Manning's connections on the Adidas side either. Um, you got to figure that those guys have some tricks up their sleeve. Now, part of me thinks, again, going back to earlier, like your team right now is, I think, competitive enough to to be – a top half of the ACC team with just the roster they have now. Um, I, I am biased because I, I've, I saw Mike James play and I'm like, that dude will be a factor for them. And you just play him and Devin Ree uh, at the two. And then, you know, Kamari lands is going to be a guy who's going to take a lot of shots and, and be a, an all three levels type guy. And you've got a bunch of decent, uh, decent to good options uh, with potential in, the, in your front court and just kind of rock with that and, and see if the coaching and the energy and the excitement of this new staff changes the tune a little bit and they go from, I don't know, 12 and 12 and 19 to 19 and 12. But yeah, I mean, look, the bottom line is they may need to save some roster space to deal with scholarship uh, deductions after uh, dealing with the IARP. I don't know if that's gone into their strategic thinking at all. Uh, to say, hey, we'd only need to fill 11 uh, and just keep those. And then we can just say, hey, just take these. We didn't use them. I, I don't know. But I certainly think that that there's going to be just like all options on the table for the next, what, uh, two and a half, three months or so until uh, we really truly know what this roster is going to be at the start of school. Yeah, I love the, the the thought of the Kenny Payne being like Will Arnett applying for a job on the office <laughs> where he's like, I have a three-step plan. But I can't tell you about the plan. You guys are just going to take my plan. Yeah. So, but no, one, one thing that I always, <laughs> I feel like I have to say at every podcast since I've heard you kind of like reiterate it before last season. And that was literally every you know, podcast, the, literally yeah, everyone. The, the, do you know what I'm going to say? He, no. I, he, he doesn't. No, no. Who, who's going to stir the drink for this team? That's, <laughs> that's such a, that's such a Greerism. But like, I, I loved that last year because I think a lot of people kind of quietly had that concern, but. We are like, no, Mac has a plan, you know, like we were essentially doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'll ask you that again. You know, Mac was much more of a traditional guy, as you said, you know, mm -hmm. he kind of stuck to his guns and he went down guns a blazing. Uh, God love him. And, and, and is, is Kenny Payne going to be 
you know, from, from the, the kind of vibe that you've gotten from the staff or from in, any insider information or anything on that as far as does it matter as much that there is still not really a, a major ball handler and distributor on this team? Uh, because I think last year there were a lot of components on that roster that could have been really solid. Noah Locke stands out to me as a guy that just like was just completely not able to be used correctly because nobody could get the ball to him in a catch and shoot type of situation. Same with Matt Cross. I feel like Louisville might be running in a similar, a similar situation this year. Does it matter as much with Kenny Payne? And does Louisville have that guy on this roster right now? Well, you've got a couple of guys on the team who can get their own shots. Uh, Kamari Lands is a guy who um, has that reputation of the ability to, to uh, score at all three levels. He, he's he's not he he, he kind of reminds me of uh, a little bit more of a skilled. I'm trying to think of. I was going to say Hakeem Warwick, but that's not quite that's hmm. not quite where I'm going with that because Warwick was a shot, big shot blocker. But Lance, you know, he can he can play inside and out. He's he can shoot it. He can really heat up, and, and he's a very good shooter. But he can beat guys off the dribble. He's the type of guy who could have a bunch of like eight for twenty shooting nights for Louisville, and and you know get also get you nine or ten rebounds. Um, so there's a few guys uh, that I I look at and I say they can help you create shots. They're not going to be the primary playmaker, but they can help you create shots. And I think the problem with the roster last year, Noah Locke was kind of convinced that he could come here. And I love that kid. I really love talking to him and and thought he was a really smart guy who was super excited to, to play for Louisville. He was all the way in on the McMaines offense. And then they switched it halfway through the season. And I think they were all just kind of left uh, to their own devices um, after what December. Uh, so he was just not a guy who was ever a creator. He had never been asked to do that at Florida. And, you know, as a result, like you said, not only was he trying to figure out ways to create his own shot, but he was also being asked to, to create for other guys. And that's just not his role. Uh, I think there's more guys like that on this team. Um, but Ellis is the guy, man. I, that's the thing. Like L- Ellis, if you go back and watch him, his two Juco years, and I know Juco is a different level. Uh, his first year, they had a really good team, and I think he averaged like 12 or 14 points a game, but he also averaged like six six assists, something like that, and he was much more in tune with the distributor-creator side of, of his game, um, and then his second season was when he was the guy on the team, so he had to score. He had a bunch of like 30-point games, a lot of the stuff we saw last year. And he is like adamant. He's like, man, I am a playmaker. I can get shots for other people. Uh, It's just a matter of, do you have players good enough around you to make them, which was a big problem in the start of the season. And I think torpedoed any level of confidence that Louisville had, but two, do you have guys who are good enough off the ball to find ways to be, you know, in in available positions to score. And that's where lands Mike James, uh, Devin Reed, those guys can be helpful to you. Uh, BHH, I think Jalen Withers will will click back in uh, to February. Jalen again, working with a different staff. So there, I think there's guys there, and obviously Sidney Curry will be a big factor too. Um, there's guys there who I think can help L. Um, but again, that goes back to can you get a Malachi Smith, a guy like that who is who doesn't have to be ball dominant to be a playmaker for you. And that's maybe the last missing piece, I think, to this team. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to watch uh, this offense and just in general, the way that Kenny kind of brings this new style that Louisville hasn't seen in a while, where 
you've got, you know, power forwards potentially bringing the ball up the offense. Like if you look at where Kenny just came from in New York, and obviously it's Tim Thibodeau's system, but you got Julius Randle being their point guard about 50% of the time. Now, whether that's a good thing or not, NBA people <laughs> will probably tell you one thing rather than, but still point being, Kenny is not afraid to, it seems like, be able to kind of spread the ball around and whoever gets it goes, which is what we were supposed to see last year with Louisville. Mm -hmm. It was that whoever gets it, go. And I remember just screaming at the TV, run, run. You have a fast, Jared West would beat somebody and then he would stop and kind of hesitate and everybody would catch up. Uh, And so for this this team, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how they evolve and how much they develop under Kenny's watch. And it's everything you've heard about him is that he's a developer of talent. He can kind of get the most out of everybody. And if that's the case, my question is how good can Sidney Curry be? Because I know at the end of last year, it was like, you know, best player, bad team, not really necessarily what something you really scream loudly about, but Sidney Curry looked like he, he could be a dominant force in the ACC with the right team around him. And we've seen the videos mm-hmm. on social media. He's trimmed down out here shooting threes wide open in the corner. I mean, are we going to be seeing skinny, skinny Sydney out there draining corner threes? Like, is, <laughs> is this a new era of Louisville basketball? Uh, my biggest question is, is he going to wear that massive gold chain that has his own nickname on it uh, while he's playing next season? That's uh, in the world yeah. of NIL. I think anything is possible. At this anything point. is possible. Yeah. I- I'm excited for like branded, like, you know, like, can you get a tattooed brand like on your arm? Like, this is my NIL deal, and it's a tattoo <laughs> on my bicep. I'm, I, I'm like, it's like a little basketball level uh, <laughs> advertising. But no, I mean, yeah, Curry is a really interesting guy. I think, you know, when I watched them practice uh, through the course of the season last year, he's still he still has a lot to learn defensively and understanding concepts and and understanding not only the concepts uh, and this is what a team is going to do and this is what's happening on the floor, but this is how you're supposed to respond to it. Um, Offensively, the guy is a natural. Uh, It's it's obvious that he's real confident that physicality, that toughness. I mean, you can use that in so many different ways. And um, yeah, if he adds a, a little bit more of that jumper there, uh, it spaces the floor quite a bit, uh, whether you use him at, at the five or or if you, you know, maybe Roosevelt Wheeler has a big offseason. We haven't even mentioned J.J. Trainer. Like maybe some of these guys have big offseasons and they allow you to do different things with your four and five, um, as we've seen with Kentucky. Now, Kentucky anchors their guys a lot and it's a lot of post ups. And I know they try to play the the four out and, and, and the dribble drive or whatever we call it uh, these days. Um, so I, I'm interested to see what sort of hybrid Kentucky, uh, Knicks, you know, maybe a little Oregon and Duke flavor gets thrown in there. I don't know that they want to use anything that Danny did at, at Wake or at uh, Maryland. I'm, I'm joking. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, just, just look at the John Collins film from when he was at Wake and how right. Danny- developed right. him. Um, so I think that's going to be a big factor with Sidney Curry. I mean, you've got two incredible big man coaches on your staff between the head coach and Danny Manning. Like there's credibility there. And, and I'm really fascinated to see how quickly Sidney Curry and, and Roosevelt Wheeler learn under these guys, because that was something that the coaching staff last year struggled with them uh, with was like, we're, we're, it's taking them too long to learn the defensive concepts. And that's why Sidney Curry wasn't playing as much. Uh, and Malik Williams was because again, it goes back to earlier. Chris Mack has like most coaches, you trust in your gut in the pack line. Who are you trusting? You're it's the guys who you think totally understand what you're doing. And that was 
Malik Williams. It was Jared West. It was those guys he felt like he could trust. And Sydney needed time to learn and cultivate his game at the, at the next level and uh, full off season for him. You know, the sky is the limit for what he can do uh, in the ACC for sure. I, I one follow-up question that really quickly is, is there any truth to maybe since you, since you kind of mentioned Sydney Curry kind of not picking up the defense as quickly, is there any truth to, maybe him improving tremendously on that side of the ball uh, heading into this season. Cause for me personally, that'd be my huge question mark. I think that he's a great rebounder and obviously a, a terrific scorer around the bucket. Do you think that he can really pick things up on, on the defensive end of the ball and be almost like an all, all conference level player this year? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think in order for him to be all conference level, he, he has to do that. I mean, he's gotta be a guy who can help them on both ends of the floor, but again, you know, it's, it's difficult to quantify until we start seeing it game in and game out. And, and that, you know, you'd think that'd be like January, February into March, but yeah, I mean, look again, you got a guy who just coached, you know, Carl Anthony towns and Willie Colley Stein and all these elite defensive players um, at Kentucky and, and at the NBA level where you learn really the, the concepts, like people don't realize how difficult it is to go. And I've had these conversations before with like people who work in the NBA, you go from high school to Juco. That's a huge difference in, in language and the way they talk high school or Juco to college good Lord. It's like starting Spanish class over again, Mm -hmm. you get to the NBA and the NBA guys will say like, forget everything you learn in college. We're going to build you again. Um, And it, it, so it's a high, high level. Um, So you've got to figure that the knowledge that Kenny Payne has picked up coaching at that level after doing the college stuff um, paired with Again, Danny Manning's ability to work with big guys that those two guys alone, and I'm not trying to discount the other two coaches on staff, but we know who Danny Manning and Kenny Payne are as big man coaches. You've got to think that in six months, they're going to be understanding things, probably living a little bit freer in terms of understanding very simple what their defensive assignment is um, and and going from there. Uh, And if, if not, you know what? You, you that's one of those things where you just have to kind of say, look, it, the offense is too good for us to to not use it. Maybe we use zones and different things to be interesting uh, and keep him on the floor. But I don't think it'll get to that point. That's that, that's pleasant for me to hear, just because I, I feel like Sidney Curry is kind of a, a massive piece, kind of in this mm-hmm. offseason. I, I know that there's a lot of surrounding him, just because he seems like such a good like high character guy obviously there's a lot that goes behind I'm not sure if you're in the room uh, the day that Kenny Klein uh, stopped everybody before they're leaving the presser and you kind of just glowingly talked about Sidney Curry and how he spent three hours a day on the treadmill and, and all kinds of just oh yeah you know everybody has nothing but great things to say about him one other Sidney Curry thing this weekend uh, I popped my head into the Sidney Curry JJ trainer basketball camp Mm-hmm. Uh, Sydney Curry actually had food poisoning after eating on Saturday night. I pulled. I don't wish that on lot. anyone, man. No. Yeah, and I was like, I was oh. wondering if I was in the right place. You know, it's kind of like in the. It was in the middle of J Town, and then all of a sudden, I saw this big six nine dude out front ralphing in the bushes. I was like, <laughs> Sydney Curry doing in the parking lot, throwing up in the bushes, and so I got in there, and you know, he was looking. Oh. You know, like I didn't know if they were like working the hell out, like the fifth graders were like working the hell out of him in the gym or something. I don't know. Uh, but no, but I talked to our guy, Alan. He's like, yeah, you know, Sid was like 30 minutes late, but he was true to his word, showed up, 
uh, wanted to make sure he was there for the kids and do all the photo ops and all that stuff. So seems like he's going to be a fan favorite this year. Obviously, that's I think that's just the biggest question mark is whether or not he can turn things up on the defensive end. Seems like he has all of, of the right tools and the pieces and the work ethic to make that happen. So I think that's what should excite Louisville fans really quickly before we get out of here. Uh, 2023, obviously, again, we don't know a lot about what's going on in the recruiting trail. Uh, Travis Graff, uh, you know, we, we could all, we would love to have your connections. Uh, so, if, you know, you want to ever just <laughs> pop your head in here. But on a serious note, it, it seems like things are pointing in the direction of this potentially finally being the kind of recruiting class that Louisville fans have wanted for and, and my entire lifetime, right? So being around the staff a little bit, is there, are there any tidbits that you can kind of give away about what it is that kind of draws the type of players that, that Louisville is, is recruiting uh, to, to, towards Kenny Payne and towards this entire staff? I would say my takeaway from this whole, from last two months, and we talked about, you know, the day 60, and I always laugh about the first, uh, what is it, the first 100 days of a presidency is always, you know, the most important, right? I'm actually, one of the, one of the books that I use as a stand to elevate my laptop on my desk here is, is uh, Presidential History, but I'm a huge Presidential History dork. Uh, so clearly, to, you're just, you're just throw rifling that through those pages yeah. daily. Yeah, you, you'd be surprised at some of the, the random facts that I have uh, attained. Just give uh, us, hold on. No, no, I mean, I need you to demonstrate this. Just give us a little tidbit of President One of my all-time favorite Calvin Coolidge stories. So Calvin Coolidge was famous for being- Everybody's like got to have a Calvin Coolidge story. You got to have a story. Uh, he was nicknamed Silent Cal. Have you guys heard this story before? <laughs> no. Um, he, would, he would never say a whole lot. He was real quiet. And uh, somebody, some uh, woman walked up to him at like a gala somewhere or, or some event and said, I bet my friends I could get you to say three words. And he looked at her and he said, you lose, um, which I think is like the greatest response of all time to anything. Um, but now I look, I think, you know, to sum it up in one sentence, Louisville is cool again, like Louisville is cool. So like, you know, I did a lot of, when I worked at the athletic, I did a lot of stories on the eighties teams. I, I did a, a, an oral history series when I was at the career uh, about the 86 title team. And you just get to, you know, you get to talking to people, you get to fans who followed them. Uh, you talk to Kenny Klein, who was there at the, at the inception of all of this stuff. And even before he was there in the seventies, the teams in the sixties and seventies, like Louisville was cool. And Louisville had that reputation as playing with a little edge you know, always getting these guys that had a little swagger to them. I mean, Milt Wagner, I mean, is the most like swaggy guy still. He just has so much swag. Uh, but Kenny is from that era. And you toss in arguably one of the top like five college basketball players of all time is on his staff in Danny Manning. Uh, whatever his career was after that. And I know that he, he did well in the NBA, but as a college player, I mean, Danny Manning was the guy in the late 80s in college basketball. Uh, you throw in Nolan Smith, who was a, the cool young assistant from the hottest program in college basketball, which really it has been for our, almost our entire lifetimes at this point, either most hated or coolest, depending on who you talk to. And then, another, and, and not to dismiss Josh Jameson, but you add another guy from a program that has recruited really well, uh, that has the brand uh, that Oregon does with Nike. Like you've got a cool staff. You've got a program that can sell cool. 
Um, you've got obviously got the fan base, you've got the history, uh, you're in the ACC, like the potential is so obvious, I think, for a lot of people that there's not that much selling other than they're just like these guys who talk about relationships and, and, you know, wanting to be uh, close to parents and, and having open lines of communication. And I, I just think it's genuine. I mean, you guys probably feel the same way. Like when you watch Kenny Payne talk, when you watch Nolan Smith talk, like it is so genuine and authentic coming through that they will, that they mean what they're saying and they're very careful about what they say so that they are not so as not to step on their own toes later. And I think all of that is a really um, unique selling point for them. And it's, it just shows you why Kenny Payne was so successful at Kentucky uh, recruiting there, why Nolan Smith was uh, was such a coveted young coach coming up. It's, uh, you keep going down the list. Um, so I think that's that's what the special sauce is right now. And then they have to play games. And then after they start playing games, you know, we'll see what what the pitch looks like then. But for now, for the next like six months or so, the Louisville is cool message, I think, is going to be a big thing. And I'm fully anticipating some splashy summer uh, commitments that I think will get people really excited about the future of, of Louisville basketball. All right, let's switch it up a little bit here and let's talk your other sport that, that you're real big into covering and that's soccer. Oh, I'm going okay. to bring a little bit of a hot oh, take to you and just it. see what you think here because Presley and I went out to the, the racing home game, the, the home debut on Saturday night and got to watch them play out there. Um, and I, I gave him the stake and it's not the first time I've done this, but I told him, I think Lynn Fa- Lynn Family Stadium would be the perfect place to host an outdoor Louisville basketball game. Now, I know it's a little bit of a weird setup (laughs) in there. Immediately shakes his head. He's not a fan. He doesn't think that's a good idea. But I I think you could pull off a really cool outdoor event for Louisville basketball in that stadium and make it a very intimate, cool experience like we've seen the NBA do in years past. Hockey has done, you know, they'll play games at a football field or play outside or whatever the Mm -hmm. case is. But obviously, this is not likely to ever happen. But as somebody who goes to that stadium quite a bit and probably has been out on the field, you've been in every little nook and cranny of that place. What do you think about putting a basketball floor out there and playing a little bit of five on five? Well, I think the biggest challenge or obstacle to that is that Janet Jackson's concert absolutely <laughs> oh my destroyed gosh, our, our field. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. You could when you- we. We pulled up and the field was just like in noodles outside. Like, I don't know yeah. if that was. <laughs> I'm a big golf guy and Jacob can attest to this. I, I was going to steal some sod. I was ready to, <laughs> I, I, was, I was ready to throw some down. <laughs> Man. Uh, I, I, I wish I had seen that. I could use that on my yard. My yard looks like crap this year. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that that's an intriguing possibility for sure. I know that they want to get creative with how they use the stadium. It's, I think it's the nicest uh, outdoor facility in the city. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, no, I'm not trying to start a war with, uh, with the bats or with uh, Churchill Downs, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, my colleagues might be mad at me for saying this, but I actually would say that if you're going to do an outdoor Louisville basketball game, it's gotta be at Churchill Downs just for a million different reasons. Um, But the concept is so cool. You just hope that it's not, you just, you need it to be a nice day. And it's been That's a right. real problem. Like, ra- right. like, I don't know what God thinks of racing Louisville, but I know mother nature absolutely hates racing Louisville uh, because all of their games last year and all of their games so far this year, if it's not 800 degrees at kickoff, <laughs> 
or raining, it's thunder and lightning all the way leading up to it, that it's, it discourages so many people from coming, you know, so I'm hopeful that uh, we get to June, you know, it'll warm up a little bit more. It'll be uh, clearer out. We've got pride night on June 4th. We've got Ali night uh, that I'm spearheading for that uh, on June 11th. Uh, we're going to really do, it's going to just be, everything will be Ali uh, themed. So I'm hoping to blow that out. Uh, and they're playing Angel City, the the hated team from Los Angeles, the Hollywood team. So I uh, hope that we can start packing the stadium and um, having some big games out there. But yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do some research on, on if we can get the elevated floor, like right at midfield and, and see if we can get uh, some, some bleachers somewhere in there that, that would make it kind of cool. Right. So now, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying play Kentucky, but you know, uh, the Albany Great Danes come to town and you want to sell some tickets. Why not play at Lynn Family Stadium, man? You know, there's so many reasons. Uh, but <laughs> have you ever played basketball at the park? Uh no, but in, in all seriousness, I think that I'm poo-pooing Jacob's idea, like immediately vetoed it. I even let him finish asking the question. Louisville Live is a great candidate to to be there. And I know that, like, you know, there were a lot of questions when it was at Churchill Downs about not having it uh, outdoors. And and we asked Lottie, you know, like, what happens if it does rain? And she just said, we don't talk about that. It's not going to happen. <laughs> don't worry about it. So I love that mentality. Yeah, that, that's that's the best mentality to have. Right. You know, you put all months and months of planning into it and then, you know, no, it's not going to rain. It's good. Yeah. Uh, but but in, in all seriousness, I, I think that's the next logical step if you want Louisville and a big name component of, of, of Louisville, right? Like you could have a Louisville men's or women's soccer game there, obviously, but like, so to kind of connect the two, right? I think yeah. that that's the logical step is to have Louisville live there. I think it's the perfect venue for it. And I think that if Kenny Payne and, and company get the ball rolling, that that's a good kind of a good intersection between, mm-hmm. uh, b- between the two. I know they want to try to have it in a different location every year if, if, if they can. So uh, one final question before we get, out, get you out of here. I am fascinated by this human being, so I have to ask you. Uh, I'm I'm an avid listener of, of of the take with Andy Sweeney and Jack Grossman <laughs> is 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 on your your podcast, and Jack Grossman doesn't know anything about anything except for sports. Like to the point where <laughs> he thought that Andy Andy puts him on the spot all the time, and and I, I don't I don't even think it embarrasses him. It's not like a Jacob playing basketball on a soccer field type of thing. It's more like a he thought that Jesse Jackson was Michael Jackson's brother type of thing. Oh. Like like the, those those type of things. Do you have any great Grossman gems for us? Because I, I I like I don't know Jack Grossman by any means. Like. When I've called in a couple of times, I've talked to him and he was super nice. But besides that, I don't know anything about him except for he just doesn't know anything except for college basketball, which he knows very, very well. Right. Uh, if you ask him for his opinion on Indiana and Iowa, he's going to have a hot take yes, for you. Northwestern, Northwestern and Maryland on a Tuesday night. He's your go-to guy. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you this. Um, I, 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 you gave it away that you listen to their show a lot when you said bend the knee earlier. I, I think that's the only, it's like game of Thrones and Andy Sweeney are the only two places that I've ever heard that. Um, and really, I mean, uh, wow. Props to you for sticking with that show for as long as you have. Um, but it's, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Those guys are my friends. I'm jo- I'm joking. You got to have a little, a little fun with sports yeah, around, yeah, around yeah. these parts. And they're yeah. the only people who seem to actually truly have fun every day with it. So that's why. Yeah. I think that's why Jacob and I are hooked on it. 
There you go. That's fair enough. Uh, Strebel is, I think Strebel is hilarious, but and we've been so, the, we've been the butt of the joke plenty of times over the last a, yeah, several that's, years. That's, so that's, you that's know, totally eventually fine. you learn to just accept it and laugh at it. Yeah. Jack, it's funny that you asked me that because Jack came to the racing game last night. So I saw him uh, up in the press area last night. Jack is, you know, as Nick Valvano calls him, he calls him the the baby, the sweet little baby cherub of the office, which he's like 24 (laughs) now. It's kind of weird. I still think that my favorite Jack story um, was that he and I were stuck. I shouldn't say stuck because they were paying me and I, and I love it. Um, but we had a gas bag softball game and I had to do the, the Louisville city game on the radio and Jack was the producer. And we were like, we were, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. Uh, we were like, you're supposed to have like a 10 to 15 minute post game show. And Casey Whitfield, who was my color analyst last year and, and is a friend of mine, we were joking, like Jack and I want to get to this softball game, maybe play the final couple innings. Uh, do you mind if we just do one segment and get out of here? And she's like, of course not. I'll just go home. And she's a teacher. So Jack and I were like hustling through <laughs> all of this and just trying like, like two guys who had to go pee. Like we were just like, like really going very fast to get off the air. And we like raced down. I think he had to make the, he had to melt a, you know, that's a TV phrase, but he had to, you know, like make it into a podcast or I don't know what he had to do, bank things, set up the ads. I don't know what, whatever the producers do. And so we hustled down there and we missed it. Nick Valvano hit a walk-off home run. Jack and I were furious that we missed our only win of the season. Um, And to this day, we're convinced that it's because neither of us was there uh, Mm. that the gas bags Mm. were victorious, but um, but yes, Jack, I yelled at Jack one of the first times we ever interacted with each other because he said Dean Smith was the most overrated coach in college basketball <laughs> history on on Mark Ennis's show. And I lost it on him. Um, and uh, we've we've bonded over that ever since. So he's he's a delight. Uh, he does a great job with my show. And I love having him on when uh, when, like you said, when there needs to just be hey let's talk for 30 minutes about whatever the dude just like you just like wind him up and he goes um so i'm really proud of him the work that he's made done and and i think he's progressing pretty nicely in his career well that that that's honestly pretty sweet and honestly not too bad of you on at, at all because i know that that sweeney and Strebel would just throw him right underneath the indiana bus so i can i totally appreciate that uh but i i, I also um, heard a couple stories. So there, there's an old uh, Christian Academy uh, baseball team. And I, I played in a few work softball leagues in, in, in my day. And these guys are, you know, like late 20s. And they, mm. they have a team every year called the Grinch Knees. And I know that you guys faced them a few times. And they yeah. just crush everybody. They play yeah. in like, like B-League softball and just, just hit dingers off of old dudes yeah. drinking beers. Yeah. Uh, did, did you have any good experiences with, with the, the ringers in the softball league? Where'd you guys get run ruled every time? We got beat bad a lot. Uh, we, so we, you know, I, look, here's my problem. I am not, I am not a, I'm like, I'm like a Forrest Gump. I'm not a smart man. I am not a, I am not a large human being. I am aware of that. Um, but you know, I, I, I played AAU. I played, high school basketball. I was a point guard on my high school basketball team. I traveled, I played a lot of travel basketball. I played Olympic development soccer. I played a lot of travel soccer. So like, I, I like playing for fun, but also like low key, 
want to win and will be like disappointed if we lose and very happy if we win. And for some reason, when I was in Florida, when I lived in Florida and when I lived in DC out of college and those two places, all my teams won and it was fun. And then I came here and I have been on so many bad teams Hmm. that halfway through this past season, we'd lost the first three games, I think like, you know, 30 to six. And like, you're just like, okay, we played two and a half innings and the game is over. And uh, I finally was just like, we've got to make lineup changes. We can't play person X in position Y. And, you know, it, it was tough for me, but yes, they, they destroyed us. I mean, they, the Grinch knees, that's a, that's the one team name that I remember. And it's because mm. of how bad they, absolutely pulverized us. And that's why I'm not playing. I'm not on the team this year. I don't want to play. I don't want to lose. I don't like losing 50 to nothing. I quit my rec league soccer team with my courier journal coworkers to start my own team. And I recruited like half of the, the senior, the graduating class of the center women's soccer team for the co-ed league. I got a kid from Bellarmine who had just graduated and we won every game like five, nothing. And we won the trophy. And like, that's what I'm here for. I want to be on a team that, that destroys other people. I don't want to be blown out. So absolutely. And every league has to have the team that gets destroyed and every team, every league has to have the team that destroys everybody. So yeah. you always want to be on the good end of that. I'm trying to talk Jacob into now that, that we kind of like took his like soccer virginity. Like he was learning all kinds of soccer <laughs> oh, rules. Gosh. Like he didn't know that you could stand out of bounds. And, and as oh, long yeah. as the ball doesn't cross the line. He thought that there were three halves. That was his terminology, not mine. I told him he needs to go back to, he needs look, to, go back to fourth grade math. Hold on. But... You're making me just look like an idiot. Listen, listen. Now, now, hold on. Those are the thing about that stadium, Jeff. You, you stand in that far end zone, you'll drink enough beer, and yeah. eventually you'll think there's three halves. Like That's just the law of nature when there's an open end zone and there's beer to be served. What so, an advertisement. Please come to our stadium and you'll see three halves of soccer because the beer and the bourbon is so good that is true there there you go there you go but i'm trying to convince him uh you know mockingbird is the only place to really take in an indoor soccer game these days and i told jacob we just need to show up get a couple buckets of beers and just watch like little chubby hispanic dudes just destroy preppy high school kids in indoor soccer because I've done I've done it many many times and it is a pleasurable experience. Wow, but, that sounds like a big night. I mean, that's yeah, a it's, big night. it's it's a big night. Listen, I'm a divorced man in my 20s. All right, there's worse times to spend. I can tell you that. My um, teams got destroyed quite a few times in Mockingbird. I can tell you that. Yeah, that's Jacob, I stopped playing there. If you if you've ever thought about watching a soccer player get checked into some boards it happens quite a bit oh i'm sure and and another little tidbit for you as well jack harlow has a little brother uh who is who is a ref there Uh, so you yeah you you know rub rub some shoulders with some famous people yeah and if you don't like jack's album go out and let his brother know that's the perfect venue for that that's right i love that yeah jeff we've kept you far too long for a man with, with an infant child and we appreciate uh your hospital hospitability is that a word no being it works for the context I, I understand <laughs> what you meant. <laughs> uh, no but we seriously appreciate you uh take a second plug yourself and you want me to do that on camera or <laughs> you want to wait until the recording stops <laughs> no i'm i'm i love plugging myself um 
I do it. I do it a couple times a week. Uh, no, I mean, I would say if people want to follow my work, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Greer. I, I, I already like, I get a vibe. Like I tweet a lot about Louisville city and racing. So like Louisville fans, I know like there's not a ton, there's some crossover, but it's not like, it's not entirely synonymous. So I apologize to the non-soccer mm-hmm. fans, but it is soccer season. So I'm going to be really annoying for the next like five months. Um, but you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Greer. Uh, we had someone's account um, uh, kicked off basically. Oh yeah. Years we ago, remember the so story. Could, remember the yeah. story when we were in studio with Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Surreptitiously uh, moved that person off of the internet so that I could get back <laughs> with their, own. with their one racist tweet. They, yes. They, they were it, was fantastic. <laughs> it was fantastic. But, uh, but no, I, I the newsletter comes out 5.00 AM every Thursday. Um, it's a Substack newsletter. So if you just go to Jeff Greer dot you can subscribe to it. I charge money just because it's a lot of time and a lot of phone calls and things uh, throughout mm-hmm. the course of the year. So I know and some you should. people, Absolutely. Oh, well, yeah, don't don't my, apologize my for that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't have the I don't have the bandwidth of the athletic behind me. Like that. It's like, oh, you can subscribe to me and you can also read like Ken Rosenthal. I don't have that now. Um, but I do have a podcast uh that you can listen to, uh Floyd Street's finest as well. So I got a lot of things going on. Um, but I appreciate the chance uh, to to speak on them and Above all else, you two are already, I'm so happy that I, that you guys told me this above all else. Okay. Before I leave this podcast, I'm going to preach my gospel for 10 seconds. Louisville city has been here now for seven years. We know what Louisville city is. They have a packed house every game. It's going to be a big game Saturday. It's going to be a big game against MLS team from Nashville coming up on Wednesday next week. I want to show some love to racing too. Racing is an, it, the best league for women's professional soccer in the world. These are the best women's soccer players in the world. We've got U.S. national team players on our squad. They're good this year. They're not. And last year was rough. Uh, so come on out, drink some beers or bring your family. We've got a kid's zone. I mean, there's just so much to do at these games. So I'm glad you two are are, are uh, following through on that and enjoying it. And, and tell your friends. Just get as many people out there as possible so that um, – they can feel the love because I know like Louisville women's basketball has such a great crowd. Mm-hmm. And my thought is just like, can we just like take all of those people exactly. on one giant like forklift <laughs> and just <laughs> come down in Lynn Family Stadium and make it happen? Listen, yeah, if I, you don't want to watch three halves of soccer, then that's not the place <laughs> for you. But if you do, it was a great time. And, and I will say it was a very entertaining soccer to watch. Like I wasn't sure what was happening a lot of the times, but I just knew something was. <laughs> And I cheered. I mean, you can go out and watch the videos at Presley. I'm cheering of not knowing what's happening. <laughs> Great time, though. And I will be taking – I've got a, a five-year-old daughter. We'll be taking her back, let them run around outside and do all that fun stuff. So thanks for, for sharing that message here. And while, while you're at that, I just want to give a big shout-out real quick to our State of Louisville family members, Bitten Newman and Zach Allen Kelly, who guys. announced today that they will be taking over full-time as the host of Soccer mm-hmm. City on ESPN 680. The Vamos Morados podcast will still continue in a, in a new format – but I got to shout those guys out. They have been a blast to work with, and I could not be happier getting to watch, uh, listen to them uh, on the air, get to, to be them goofy selves that, that I've heard for over a year now. <laughs> Love those guys. That's a great shout. Yeah, if, if you don't listen to Ben and Zach, I, I tell Jacob this all the time, uh, unabashedly, they, they were our best podcast because they were just the most natural with each other among any any of the podcasts that we have uh, at, at State of Louisville. So could not be any happier for them. As far as racing Louisville goes, 
most people at this point have been to a Louisville City game, and and Louisville City games, by the way, are some of the loudest games They're, that I've dude, ever. They been are to. lit. They are so but fun. The, the two, <laughs> so I've, I've been to both of the, the champ USL championship games that they've won, and I've never had my ears pop before when a, when a goal was scored or whatever. So that was <laughs> that was really exciting. But getting a chance to actually be in the Lynn Family Stadium, I, I mean, it's got to be one of the premier stadiums of, of its kind in, in the country. I mean, it's it's unbelievable to take in a game there. Alex Morgan was at Lynn Fam- Family Stadium last night. Yep. If you don't if you don't follow women's soccer, you know who Alex Morgan is. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you have these kind of players coming through all the time, um, and, and the product is obviously only going to get better. Uh, and just we like, beat her. Yeah, and and they beat her. <laughs> that, best team in the league. Yeah. Well, not anymore. But not anymore. But no, love love to see it, Jeff. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, hopefully, we have you back on. Uh, once we find some actual news out about this basketball team. <laughs> uh, but until then, starting 502 podcasts, get out of here. Okay. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.